My name is Alad Gross, candidate for Missouri Attorney General, and welcome to the Alad Pod. This week, we have two special guests with us. First, we have Tasha Kaminsky, a nonprofit professional and also my wife. She's going to talk to us about crisis management and nonprofit management overall during the coronavirus outbreak. We'll also have Daniel Williams, our volunteer manager, and he will be joined by his new furry friend, Barney, who he just adopted this week. We'll talk about volunteering on the campaign, but mostly we'll talk about his dog. Ready? Cool. Cool. Great. I was born ready. Well, everybody, welcome to uh, the Alad Pod. Today, uh, we are going to have uh, a couple of special guests. Well, actually, probably several special guests. Uh, our first one is going to be Tasha Kaminsky. She's on the screen with us right now. Tasha is a nonprofit professional, and today she is going to talk to us about crisis management, dealing with nonprofits right now, probably a little bit of volunteer management. And uh, uh, maybe about um, us living together since we're married, too. So that might happen every once in a while. Anywho, uh, in the interest of physical distancing, look what we're doing. We're Zooming. There are cats all over the place. There's a dog sleeping over here. Um, but, uh, yeah, we are, we are currently uh, doing this through uh, the Internet. So uh, the next guest we'll have after Tasha will be Daniel and Barney. Daniel is our volunteer manager for the campaign, and just this past week, you might have noticed, Daniel and Barney uh, were highlighted in Missouri Furry Friend Friday because Daniel just adopted Barney. Uh, So we'll talk about his experience uh, in the adoption process, especially right now, uh, the needs of shelters all over our state and really all over our country um, for foster uh, homes and for adoptions, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the campaign and what he does. And then we'll finally, uh, we will, towards the end, we will introduce who we will have on next week. We're very excited to announce that. Uh, And then we will announce our top banana winner of last week for the submission about a wonderful kids activity for folks to do at home. And uh, then we'll close up with, uh, of course, Mr. E's Mysteries and something that you can do with your kids at home as uh, all the schools are closed right now. So, yeah, we will start. So... Welcome, Tasha, to the Alad Pod. Thanks for coming today. Thanks for having me. This is very meta. Yes, it is. It is a little bit meta, uh, just a little bit. So I'm. Uh, um, I guess one. Could you tell us? Um, you know, I, I know you're really involved in the in work in not only in St. Louis, but you've you've worked with nonprofits really around the country. So if you could just kind of give us an introduction about the work that you have done up to this point, and then, uh, you know, we can talk about advice that uh, you would give to organizations right now that are dealing with this whole thing. But if you could just, like, let us know what you've done up to this point so that folks can trust you and know they're getting good advice. Well, I was born in Chicago. That was a mistake. Um, Then I went to Florida State. Nothing happened before then. Yeah. Then yeah. I went to Brandeis for my mm-hmm. master's, mm-hmm. and I've been working in the nonprofit sector for over a decade. I know I'm really good for this age. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you do, yeah, I agree. Since I've been working in the nonprofit sector, I've been a director of communications, a director of programming, a director of development, and then I became a consultant for a international firm that has clients all over the globe, and I've worked on capital campaigns for different institutions, religious, health, all the different sectors, and have raised several million dollars for those institutions running campaigns for them and doing consulting. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the work I do for my firm, I also am a co-founder of Ashrenu, AshrenuSTL.org, which is an independent Jewish organization that builds community in the city of St. Louis. And I'm one of the co-founders of Matobu, which is a Jewish community center based out of St. Louis City. Okay. So obviously you've done quite a bit. Um, and I will say... Uh, that uh, certainly all of this physical distancing has impacted a lot of the work that you've been doing, right? Yes, it has. Basically, if you are a nonprofit right now, you are kind of realizing how much of society was kind of built on the... I don't want to say the lie, but was built on this belief that nonprofits will take care of all the things that the government doesn't take care of. And we are starting to realize, mm-hmm. oh, that's not actually true if it gets bad enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of nonprofits, first of all, with social distancing, have had to totally shut down their apparatuses. Their buildings are closed. They can't meet in person, especially if you're a religious nonprofit. What are you going to do? You're a church, right. you're a synagogue. You can't in good conscience meet with one another, so you have to figure out how you're going to pivot the way you're running your nonprofit to still create community online. If you're not a religious nonprofit where you're gathering and community-oriented, you still have to consider social distancing and how that's going to impact the way that you run your entire apparatus. At this point, if you're in the art sector, um, like a museum or... If you're basically in a humanity sector at all, symphonies, performing arts, it's tough times USA for you because mm-hmm. it's illegal for you to be open. Mm-hmm. And it should be. But there's also the part where you have to realize that if you're not a food pantry right now and you're not offering outreach to the most frail and underserved people in the community, your nonprofit has probably taken a back seat. And that's okay, because there are other things we have to focus on right now. So what I'm seeing in the industry that I think basically all nonprofits are seeing is there's been an enormous surge of giving to food pantries, as it should be, and basically a total drop-off of all other activity because we can't do the things we normally do to make our nonprofits run, never mind the fundraising component right now Mm -hmm. where people are shifting where they're giving, and it is remarkable how much the giving to food pantries and food banks has gone up like we're talking four thousand percent up and giving mm-hmm. 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 so um i guess one way because i know um having lived with you um that one i know with one thing that you did with ashrenu was um you know because folks cannot get together and that's a really big deal, especially in the uh, Jewish religion, for a, a number of, of, of different kinds of prayer services, especially for, for folks who are mourning. Um, what, what were ways that you dealt with that situation as somebody who's actually running a nonprofit right now? 
So there are a variety of different sects of Judaism which have different rules that you have to follow. And all those different movements of Judaism have been advising their adherents how they should proceed moving forward. The most strict but egalitarian movement of Judaism has said that now, if you gather as a Jewish community online, as 10, which is the provisional rule for what you need to gather as when you want to say certain prayers, it counts politically, which means according to Jewish law, it counts. So if you gather online now, and then the strictest movement of Judaism that's egalitarian where men and women are equal, your minion, your gathering counts. So something that Ashrinu has been doing, which doesn't ascribe to any movement of Judaism, we kind of have our own rules, um, is we created online minions to help people recite the Kaddish, which is the prayer for mourning when you are recognizing the memorial of a past loved one or if someone has recently died in your family household mm-hmm. so that people can still say the appropriate prayers that they need to say even though they're distanced from community. And a big part of Jewish community and Jewish law is that people aren't supposed to be alone when they're mourning. People aren't supposed to be alone when they're sick. People aren't supposed to be alone in general, but especially in the times when they would want to be alone or be mm, tempted to cut themselves off from community, there are rules built into Judaism to stop that from happening. So we're trying to overcome the obstacle of social distancing so that fellow Jews can fulfill their obligations as community members to one another, which I'm going to guess they're going to have to do now more than ever, which is check on one another. You mm-hmm. are required to do that if someone is sick or if someone has died in their household. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, I mean, there's, I guess there's a lot of different creative ways that folks are dealing with the situation right now. Um, and if, if folks, if you're watching uh, and you're on Facebook, you're on a different platform, you can tweet. Tasha's on Twitter and everything else. Um, but if you're on the Facebook, I'm also monitoring that for questions. So if you have any, please feel free to put them in. Um, so what... I guess right now, if you are, you know, you, you're a nonprofit, let's talk about the ones that are um, doing a whole lot of work right now. I know a lot of food pantries, because, you know, we've been coordinating with some nonprofits around the state as a campaign to try to get a lot of services to them and, and volunteers and everything. What, you know, for somebody who is dealing probably with a surge of need and, uh, you know, uh, and the services that they have to provide, what... What recommendations would you have just in general for them, not knowing their particular situation, but, you know, if we're thinking about Missouri, um, you know, where we are versus where New York is, for example, we're at this, this stage here. Um, what, what, what would your recommendations be right now? You're running one of those nonprofits that services people who are cut off, whether they're older or they don't have access to basic needs and necessities with food shelter, um, those sorts of things, supplies, you're probably seeing an exponential boom in people needing things from you, which is to be Mm. expected. However, a lot of the nonprofits in St. Louis that fill this need have always been strapped. They've been running on a shoestring budget. They've not been given the attention they deserve, and they've been accepted, and suddenly society is realizing probably the most important safety net we have as a community is a food pantry or a food bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and giving has really shown that and bore that out, but also so have 
those videos we see of people waiting in line for food pantries now. Um, the need for food pantries has never been greater. So if you are in a St. Louis or a Missouri-based food pantry, you probably already knew all this. You always knew that people would need this at some point in time. Mm -hmm. You've been expecting for there to be a boom. You've been preparing for this the entire time you've been open. You've been very creative the entire time you've been open, finding ways to make it work even though it feels impossible. And in a way, that makes you the best situated person to steer the ship during this crisis because you've been in crisis this entire time you've been in crisis. And what's going to change is that, and what's showing and giving trends, um, what's going to change is suddenly people are going to give you what you need to do your job. Because like I said before, most of us are really taking a back seat. We're obsolete. It's not happening for us right now, but it's happening for you. So what I would recommend, and what I'm recommending to every nonprofit that's functioning right now, is keep moving forward. Operate the way you've been operating. Take all that new energy, that new attention, those new resources that are being handed to you, and do exactly what you dreamed you were going to do if you had those materials. Hire the people you need to hire. Scale up. Start embracing that this is what's happening right now and don't intend to slow down and don't anticipate it stopping. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Keep moving forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, one thing that I found uh, to be interesting was, so, so as a campaign, uh, we decided to donate to nonprofits all around the state and a lot of them were food pantries. Um, you know, there, there's an effort on different parts of the states. We, there was one in Joplin that's doing work on in healthcare, but what was really, and I don't know, maybe, maybe, because I know, you know, we've talked a lot about this, but, um, you know, thanking folks for helping is so important for a nonprofit organization to do, uh, because even though you're in a crisis right now, um, you know, you're, you're so thankful for folks who are helping when you most need it, uh, but it also, you know, I think in a time when now, like, we, we are physically distant from folks, like, that seems, because I got some, some particular thank you notes that I thought were really pretty cool. And I don't know, do you think that that's something that folks should really be focusing on, especially now? Does that change anything now that we're in this, like, time of physical distancing? Do you think that has any impact on it? Yes, I actually do, because one of the few things that we have control over is our communications with one another. Hmm. That's pretty much the only thing nonprofits have control over at the moment. You can't really go out and meet people where they are. It's not really appropriate to solicit gifts unless you are a food pantry mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or unless you are already in a campaign. If you're in a campaign, you cannot stop your campaign. But if you haven't started a campaign, it's not a good time to be asking for money. Mm -hmm. You knew that, though. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. if you were already in a campaign you need to see the campaign through the data shows that when we have moments of crisis I know this is unprecedented but if you want to go off of data instead of I don't know conjecturing wildly data shows that if you are in a campaign presently and then I'll get back to answering the question about thank you and communication if you're in a campaign right now and you've already started raising money you can't fail people who didn't fail in 2008 people who didn't fail after 9-11 their campaigns met their goal or went over by and large mm -hmm. people still want to give they still want to bet on humanity don't stop your campaign mm -hmm. you can't come back if you stop it 
Mm-hmm. You're going to want to stop it. A lot of my clients have stopped. I've advised them not to. Don't bail on your campaign if you're in your campaign. Now, if you don't have started your campaign, don't start one right now. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a food pantry, in which case, belay on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> if you are not a food pantry and you are in a nonprofit doing all kinds of other things that you cannot do right now because of social distancing, mm-hmm. this is a great time to look at what you can control. And what you can control is your phone and your computer and the words coming out of your mouth. Uh-huh. If you don't have postable.com, P-O-S-T-A-B-L-E.com, okay. uh-huh. really pay me for this, you can send personalized handwritten notes to people, handwritten, uh, thanking them. And you can upload all of your logos and your branding to that website to make it even more personal snail mail-y. Now, more than ever, it is a joy to get mail. Um, people will be very happy to hear from you. However, people will be happy to get a phone call from you too. This is a great time to check and see how your data is holding up. See if those phone lines that go back to a home landline actually work anymore because people are home and answering their landlines as opposed to just answering their cell phones. Now is a great time to check on the people and constituents of your organization and community and just see how they're doing. Ask them what they need. Give yourself something to do. If they need resources, may as well help them. Now's the time, right? I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you should be calling your biggest prospects and your biggest donors and supporters and boosters, letting them know what's going on, what kind of challenges you're facing. You should be asking them, for advice, what would they do? What do they think you should do? Be pivot. What can you do to be helpful during this time? What do they imagine this organization doing if they were going to face a crisis? And you'd be surprised by the new ideas they'll get from doing that. Mm-hmm. Send regular emails to people. Make sure that they're all right. Thank them for their support. Keep them in the loop. Don't ask them for money right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Start setting up times to have regular meetings with your board as this progresses. Continue to split up your list of donors and your profiles and portfolios. Check on them. Ask people how they're doing. And if someone does donate, you really need to pick up the phone. You can't sit on that. Any amount that someone gives to your nonprofit, especially if your nonprofit is non-essential, non-essential, you got to call them and thank them. That's really, really important, and it mm-hmm. means a lot. And then you probably want to flag that donor because it means that they were thinking of you in probably the most unstable moment of their life, mm-hmm. which is a huge sign that that person's very invested in what you do, even when things are all off kilter. So that's my recommendation when it comes to saying thank you. It's basically the only thing you can do right now if you're a nonprofit that's not essential, and I highly recommend you focus on investing and saying thank you to the people who support you Mm -hmm. and checking on your community. Yeah. Um, I want to ask another question that's uh, related. Why is that cat like you and not me? I found her in a car engine. Uh, when she was a kitten, and we still call her kitten, but yeah. her name's Villa now. It's kitten. Like from Killing Eve. No, it's kitten. Villa now. Oh, so she doesn't like you either. Okay, this is fine. I'm going to put you down now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, 
All right, so so let's say um, so I get a call. All right, let's say I get a call from somebody, and you know I'm, I'm doing the lawyer thing, and they're like, "Hey, um, you know I've I've had this plan to uh, start this nonprofit right now." Okay. Um, now I'm sure, like for a lot of folks, you know the the advice there might be like general advice for them, but. Um, what what would you tell them? And well, I'll do a follow up in case uh, it's that. But what would, what would you tell folks right now who are like, hey, you know, I've got this idea. I've got all of these people. We were all ready to go. Um, this is what's happening right now. What would you tell them? I would tell them don't reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Make sure that your idea is actually a novel idea before you start moving forward. If you have people with you who want to organize around solving a present challenge then you should be looking into your own community and double, triple, quadruple checking, asking around to see what is already in play, what is already taken off, what sort of, hey, she's a thief. Oh, oh no. Um, Did she steal my wedding ring again? Because she did that. She, no, my hair tie. Oh, Um, okay, just save my wedding ring, please. So there probably actually already a lot of all kinds of things in place for a moment like this in crisis, mm-hmm. Red Cross, hospitals, food pantries, um, family children services, uh, old folks homes. So you're going to want to check with them and see what they need first before you start your own novel plan, novel project and start pulling away from institutions that are already mm-hmm. established. Mm-hmm and have resources and plans in place for this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what I always recommend you do, regardless of what your idea is for a nonprofit. Always team up with people. Don't replicate and duplicate what's already in existence. Team up to make an even bigger, cooler, more advanced version of what exists. And right now I can guarantee you that there are all kinds of nonprofits that desperately need more people to volunteer right. and to give to them. Right. Don't be a person who just siphons off from those organizations when you don't need to. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in a place that's really desolate and desperate and nobody has a plan in place and nothing is happening, then yeah, of course, go ahead. Do what you need to do to help people. But if that isn't the case, I'd recommend that you not start a nonprofit right this second now. Mm-hmm. What What are... Um... So, you know, obviously with, with the virus that's happening right now, folks are catching it. Right. And so you're a nonprofit. Uh, maybe you do some service work. Uh, you know, there, there could be a number of things that you do that are outward facing so that you're actually interacting with people even now, um, maybe on an emergency basis. Um, what I guess what would you do before someone at your work who might be working with others catches it? Um, and then what do you do if somebody, in fact, catches it? Like, what, what are the communication strategies or what are the protocols that you would put in place in those situations? So, I'm not a medical professional. You should refer to the CDC for any questions you have about COVID-19 or basically any other disease and how infectious disease spreads. I only know the basics. Mm-hmm. You, as a nonprofit, should have already sent out an email acknowledging that there's a pandemic and that you're aware of that fact and state what your rules are going to be regarding it referring first and foremost to the CDC and acknowledging that you also are not a medical professional unless you are, but I'm not. really want to clarify that. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not a medical professional. Right. Just like washing my hands. Yes. So you should have already sent an email to all your constituents letting them know what your plan is for handling the pandemic. You should have already communicated to them that you're taking this week by week. It's an issue in motion. Things are changing rapidly. Obviously, if you have come into contact with somebody who has the virus, then you need to self-quarantine because that's what the CDC is telling you to do. And you need to go tell the people who you came into contact with in the past 14 days to self-quarantine as well. Mm -hmm. Do you, well, so, so I guess what I was more, yeah, less so on the medical side, but more so on like your communication side. So if somebody, for example, at, I don't know, at a food pantry or something, they were volunteering, you find out that they had it, right? Let's say that I know the testing takes forever right now in Missouri, so it takes a few days. As the nonprofit organization, what, what do you do? Do you, do you let folks know? Do you wait in time to find out if they tested positive? Like what, what, do you, what, is your, what do you think you should do in those situations? This is like an ethical legal question that I feel you're probably better suited to answer. If you just want to know what I believe in my heart, which I don't really consider uh-huh. advice, that's like a very intense moral dilemma question, I guess, uh-huh. for some people. Maybe not. I think the answer is obviously you have to tell, make an announcement. Mm-hmm. That's what I think the answer obviously is. Right. But I, that's, I, like I said, not a doctor, not a lawyer. Right. Don't know what your moral, what your legal obligations are, ethical obligations are. Yeah. I mean, it just seems to me that transparency is probably the best way to go now especially with so many people who are afraid and they're looking for information and you know we have updates every day from different folks who are in leadership i would just think that if you are a nonprofit in that situation especially those that are doing a lot of the service work that you basically you almost have to like take that same position that we're seeing at least some leaders in government taking where they're very open about what's happening and they're doing daily briefings and that kind of thing it would seem to me like you would do more, I guess there'd be like more communication now than there would be previously. Yeah. If you're one of those essential nonprofits that we discussed, you know, you know, if you're an essential nonprofit right now, or if you need to just be quiet and listen, Mm -hmm. um, if you're an essential nonprofit, then yeah, you should be communicating every single day, giving daily briefings, especially if you're a food pantry or one of those organizations that's making sure that elderly people aren't cut off, that people who are immunocompromised or are uh, disabled are getting what they need, then this is the time for you to shine and to be telling people what you're personally doing to make sure that your mission continues. Mm-hmm. Um Again, I really am not sure how to answer the question about what you share when someone is sick. And Mm -hmm, I guess mm -hmm. technically you don't want to cause panic or spread misinformation and you have legal obligations as well as moral obligations to not, you know, pretend to be a doctor and know what you're doing if you're not one. So um, now would be a great time to add a doctor and lawyer to your board if you don't Mm -hmm. have any. That's great. Yeah. And if you are a nonprofit organization um, and something does happen like that, you will want to contact um, your county health folks. Um, that will probably be your first contact no matter what. Um, but certainly you'll want to do that. And you'll, like you said, you'll want to make sure that your, your people are taken care of. So um, great. Do you have, is there any other advice that you think of, any other words of wisdom that you have for folks right now who are dealing with all this stuff? 
Yeah. So it's a hard time to be a nonprofit. Mm. I've never seen in my lifetime being a discussion about what kind of legislation we're going to pass in order to make sure nonprofits continue, which is kind of, um, I think those of us who work in nonprofits realize that the existence of nonprofits is a bandaid for a gushing wound in the society. Uh, basically mm-hmm. all of us, especially those who are doing humanities and direct service, um, we exist to address issues that are so far above our resources and pay grade. And the government oftentimes says that, oh, that's why those nonprofits exist. Mm-hmm. You don't need to handle that. They're handling it. And now we're starting to see for the first time in a very long time, at least for the first time in my lifetime, the government acknowledging and society acknowledging that what they initially thought about therapy and the way philanthropy works and charitable giving works and how it will help people, especially in times of crisis, have not borne out the way they thought they would when it comes to the scale of crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that when this is done, whatever that means, it's not going to be like it was before. I just don't foresee it ever going back to the way it used to be. Now, if you're in a nonprofit, you're probably kind of quietly being like, because the way that it used to be was kind of unconscionable. And that's not your fault. You know that. You're doing the best you could with what you had. Um, but moving forward, I think things are going to be really different, especially in terms of how nonprofits coordinate with the government, in particular when mm-hmm. it comes to delivering essential um, services. Uh, and I think that the way we consider scarcity and philanthropy are going to drastically change. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my over-encompassing takeaway from this as a nonprofit. Um, but in addition to that, I think it's really important to think about how you want to, if you are in a position to use your philanthropic dollars, if you have disposable income, which I know many, many people do not right now, the people who used to have disposable income don't have that either. Mm-hmm. And, uh, on top of that, you might just be anxious and tightening your belt and really saving up money in case of emergency. And that's really smart to do. However, if you are in the position to allocate dollars, you probably should start considering where you'd like to allocate those dollars, doing your research and Mm -hmm. thinking about how you'd like to make an impact. And there are all kinds of ways to make an impact right now by volunteering, which will put you on a front line probably. And that's a brave thing to do and a personal choice or by giving money while Mm -hmm. money still means something. Yeah. So when you're thinking about where you want to give your money to, there are a few ways you can invest. You can think about giving to a food pantry, which is doing a very, very direct service, right? They're handing food to people who can't get food otherwise. And toilet paper. Um, or diapers. Or all those other mm-hmm. things that maybe right. no longer are available. And they've had a stash of it for a while now. Um, so hand sanitizer, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all coming down to food pantries now, which is wild. Right. So you, you, you might want to donate to a food pantry or a food bank. Mm-hmm. Um, you might want to donate to 
man, this is dark, but you might, if like, if you're me, you might want to donate to a Jewish nonprofit that's making sure that people are receiving um, chaplaincy during this time and that someone's trying to mm-hmm. go check on people who are stuck or alone or really could use religious guidance right now. That might be something you want to invest in. You might want to invest in trying to put pressure on the government to move faster and more deftly um, or put, to try and create a government that's more readily capable of responding to the crisis that you're seeing in your state or in your country. Mm-hmm. So you might want to invest in either an organization that's doing lobbying still, um, working with legislature, or you might want to invest in a candidate who is doing their best to try and get a handle on the way our society is evolving rapidly. Mm-hmm. Now, because my husband is a very sweet man who would never ask a person for money, I'm going to ask for him. Mm-mm. No, that's okay. But I will say this. If you go no, to... No, just Okay. Let go me ahead. say it all the way through. <laughs> uh-huh. not, I was an epic speech. Come that on. was it was a good speech. Yeah, it was a good speech. I was in it. Then. Here's the deal. Yep. If there's still government in six months, mm-hmm. it's gonna look different. Just is. Now you can think about this Missouri. What we have right now, our cities kind of fending for themselves, putting in place rules, and really hoping that we follow them. Right. Um, we don't have a lot of hospitals in the state. Right. We don't have a lot of resources in the state. And also the way we think about ourselves as a community in the state is we're disconnected. There are all these rural communities that don't have the resources that we have in St. Louis. And as a person in St. Louis right now, I know for a fact we don't have the resources we need. We never have had the resources we need. So imagine being somewhere Mm -hmm. rural where there aren't even hospitals anymore. Now, you have to give to your food banks. You have to give to those frontline people. But you also have to start considering who do you want to be in charge? Who do you want to be in charge? Who do you want to make sure is going to uphold the law? Who do you want to make sure is going to take care of people price gouging, people hoarding, the things that we need, food, hand sanitizer, masks, ventilators who's going to make sure that if you get sick there's a hospital for you to go to and that you don't die because they're under-resourced or that you have the option to even go to the hospital because you might not have health insurance and the truth is that if in six months there's still government and you would like to live in a functional government that has those things at top of mind you're going to want to invest in candidates people human beings who are stepping up right now and telling you what their plan is. Because a lot of people don't have a plan. Sure. And that's fair. Yep. They didn't see this coming. Right. But some people do have a plan. And if you are forward thinking and considering the future and not just living in the moment right now, I'd recommend investing in people who are going to have a mm. plan moving forward with yep. you. Yep. So that is my pitch for him because he won't ask. <laughs> because he's a good person. Mm. And I'm not. <laughs> oh my God. Well, um, thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming. Um, thanks I'm, for I, having me in my own house. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming in your own house to the show and letting me use the, the downstairs because we need to do that now. And let me use all my furniture. 
Tell, yeah. the, tell the people at home this what, is good. You're, this what is, you've uh, built yourself around. I, uh, it's good furniture. It's your furniture. It's your dad's desk. It's a nice desk. Oh, I have questions on uh, Twitter. I, I was sort of... Oh, uh, did you? You got some questions? For a minute. You got some questions on Facebook from uh, uh, Justine, but you answered all of them before I could get to you, so Justine was very excited. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody uh, asked me on Twitter, how do you okay. balance Shabbat and nonprofit work? Okay. Well, it's technically Shabbat right now. It is, Shabbat yeah. Shalom, everyone. There you go. Also, shout out to my mom for picking up basically all the furniture in this house. She's really got an eye. Um, huh? My mom. Needed. Oh, that was good. That was a good mom shout out. She's going to appreciate that. Um, but the question about Shabbat, which is a day of rest and nonprofit work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Judaism, this is a really easy question. I can't answer it for other theologies, but I'm guessing a similar framework exists. In Judaism, the top number one, as you would say, the top banana rule. Top banana rule, yep. Mm-hmm. Is you must save a life. You must do everything in your power to save a life. Everything comes after saving a life. Life is the most precious thing. You can break any rule, any chin, in order to save a life. So if you are a non-essential nonprofit, um, then the time for you to uh, address other issues has come, and you need to be volunteering or offering money or doing your part to make sure you can save a life, even if it is Shabbat. And right now, you're basically all deputized by Judaism to start saving lives. Fun fact. Now, another cool thing about Judaism is that this rule is actually so important that they've debated down to, like, who is the person who should save the life. So if you are in a position where you can immediately save the life, the person most qualified should save the life. Now, if two people in the room are equally qualified to save a life, that person who should save the life on Shabbat, a day when you're not supposed to do any work, where you're not supposed to break rules especially, right? The person who should save the life is the one who is more religious, as in the one who follows the rules the most, because that could be the example you set, that as dedicated you are to the rules, you're even more dedicated to saving a life. And then you can show that as an example to other people who might be inclined to sort of parse the rules or ask questions, or not dive in and help. You've uh, been a great, great role model in Hebrew um, for what you should do if you have an opportunity to save a life. So my advice to fellow Jewish people, especially in the nonprofit sector who are trying to balance Shabbat, um, and uh, the current pandemic is if you can save a life, you must save a life. Also, you yeah. have to value your own life. You have to take care of yourself. Drink water, take mm-hmm. your temperature. Eat enough. You're precious too. Great. Do you get any other questions on Twitter? How do I see the cat? Where is the kitty? Hi, mom. Other question. How does the state <laughs> decide who is an essential nonprofit? <laughs> How's this question? What, what, what was the question? The question was, how does the state does decide the state what... decide what is an essential nonprofit? Okay, yeah. um, I think that most states have not decided anything about anything right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, including, like, who's an essential worker, right? So, mm-hmm. suddenly a lot of us are finding out that essential workers are truck drivers, people who work in grocery stores oh, yeah. in the service industry, Absolutely. Yeah. doctors, nurses. Um, 
and the people that so much of society has looked down on and said that, oh, anyone can do that job, suddenly those are the most essential people in our society. And if you're a cool kid, then you already knew that. Mm-hmm. But if you're new to the club, Shout out to the cool you just kids. showed up to this party. Yep. Most important people in our society are the people who make sure there's food, then transport that food, then disperse that food. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Crazy. So, um, I can't say how the state makes these decisions. Uh, from what I've observed, most states are just kind of freaking out and paralyzed and don't know what to do. Some of them have declared certain people essential. Um, and created laws to incentivize them to continue to do their job. But a lot of states have not done that. So the most essential people in our society, the people who are doing those things to make sure we continue to eat and have roads that function um, and uh, have our toilet paper stocked and on the shelf are not getting the treatment that other essential people are, get. So they don't get childcare, they don't get hazard pay, they don't mm-hmm. get all these other things. So while I'm not in charge, and I don't know the answer to that question necessarily, I'd like to say that if you are a legislator and you are in charge of the state in some capacity, which I guess makes you a governor, mm-hmm. I wonder what it's like to have one of those, um, then you should be doing all you can and to figure out who is essential and then giving them the resources they need to do their job, including nonprofits like food pantries and food banks. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of it is, like you said at the beginning, you were like, if you're a nonprofit that's doing essential work, you know who you are, right? And, and so a lot of these situations, you can look at all these proclamations about what's open, what's not, you know, and, and everything else. And at the end of the day, um, it's still up to us to be good about it, right? And so, I mean, even within all of these rules, yeah, you can go hire an attorney and say you've got to be open, and it's not like folks are calling in on each other to say who's in and who's not, but we've got to be smart about it. And when you see, like, some folks, because there's not coordination or there's not leadership, and you might run, like, an entertainment venue or something, and you've decided that you're going to stay open and have all these people, tourist groups coming in from all over the place, I mean, that's not responsible, and now that leads to a requirement for us as a society to come together, and that's what government is. It's this cooperative effort to say, well, you, you, you didn't do that right. So, um, you know, it's, it's like if, if all of this was policed okay, and, you know, I talk to folks all over Missouri. I've been talking to communities all over the place, and those now, because we're doing it in such a piecemeal setting, um, we've got some issues with that So, because um, some places are open and some aren't. Well, I see we just lost Tasha. She's running around there somewhere. There was just a cat oh. that wanted to come in. And cat fight? Okay, cat fight. Well, great. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, um, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you soon. And if folks can, can if they want to hit you up, where's the best place for them to go? So if you'd like to learn more about Ashrenu, okay. ashrenustl.org. If you're um, Jewish, consider yourself Jewish. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, um, can I put the you link? Do you, do, you, do you want me to put the link? You can find me on LinkedIn, or you can email me, Toshki, T-A-S-H-A-K-A-M-I-N-S-K-Y, okay. at gmail.com. Um, I'd be happy to talk to you about your nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can, put, I can put the links to all that stuff in here, too, so that will make it easier and, for folks. Uh, I don't know if a lot has shared this with you, but I'm kind of hilarious. And if you follow me on Twitter, you probably will get a little chuckle out of it. Tasha Kaminsky. 
I have more followers than him. Yeah, like two. It's not a competition. Anyway, anyway, thanks so much for coming. We will, I'm sure, see you later sometime, yeah? Yeah, I can come downstairs. Great. Well, wonderful. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for coming. A lot of people are very appreciative, so uh, we'll check in with you soon. All right, take care. I'll see you later. Wow, what a rush. Okay, I'm bringing Daniel. All right, thanks for coming. I'm bringing Daniel in. I'm sending you out. Put in the waiting room. All right, let's see if Daniel's here. Daniel here. There he is. He's here. Hey, buddy, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm great. Where is Barney? Yeah, here he is. He is still as asleep as he was wow. 45 minutes ago when you guys Look at that. Him. He doesn't even move. No. Oh, he he's... Is, you will probably hear him snoring. Um, I will be sitting at a weird angle because he's sitting on me and my laptop. Yes, that's okay. Uh, as we're talking. That's so fine. he has already claimed the bed and it's been two days. That's great. So he is getting some good pets right now. But yeah, he will probably... He makes a lot of weird noises. I've learned that quickly and I'm sure that they will be popping up. As great. Wonderful. Well, he might just be talking to his fan club out there. All right. Well, Daniel, tell us. Tell your Daniel is our uh, for everybody out there. Daniel is our uh, volunteer manager for the campaign. And as I mentioned at the very beginning of this, very excited because Daniel had been looking for a furry friend of his own for some time. Yes. And and Barney. Yeah. When when did you get Bar- Barney? Was this week? Barney was uh, Wednesday. Yeah. This is Barney's. Wait. No, Barney was Thursday. Thursday. I called about Barney on Wednesday. So okay, that's Barney's right. Third day. That's right. Well, congratulations to both of you. How is it going so far? It's going really well. He has adjusted um, really easily. I mean, almost too easily, as you guys can. Because again, yeah, here uh-huh. he is, just there hanging he is. out. I might yeah. just keep it there on him for a while. So you guys can see how adorable he is as he sleeps. But yeah, no, it's been really good. He not much is known about Barney. Okay. Um, he's six years old. Um, he's a beagle, probably basset hound mix. Um, okay. And I got him from the Humane Society of Missouri. Um, and he had just he'd been there for about 10 days. And they had just, like, transferred him from a shelter in Arkansas. Oh, wow. So okay. we don't know anything about Barney's history, like where he came from, what he was like beforehand, what his owners were like. Complete mystery. Yeah, um, but so far, I mean, he's been great. He loves other dogs, other people. So we're trying to get a schedule of walking and everything. Um, walking in the morning and playing outside at around lunchtime, and going for a walk at four. Yeah, he's been perfect. He's adjusted well. He's hanging out. He gets excited whenever he sees people, the dogs. So it's a tough time for him to be social distancing mm-hmm. right now. But mm-hmm. he's doing great. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, tell me. Um, so you know, obviously, we, you know, you've been looking for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Tell me what what pushed you over? What got you to, to jump in on dog life? Um, so I know that a lot of shelters are struggling at the moment um, mm-hmm. because a lot of them aren't able to bring in full staff due to social distancing mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that people aren't bringing in animals to them. Um, so a right. lot of them are still getting the same amount of animals that they had uh, beforehand, before um, our current public health uh, crisis began. Yeah. But they're not having their full staff to be able to process, to be able to take care of them. They're asking for a lot of people to, right now, uh, foster or adopt. And so I had started looking, um, when I first heard this, I started looking around last Friday, and then by Monday, uh, I'm in St. Louis City, and we had the shutdown of the city and the county, and a lot of shelters had to close down because mm-hmm. they were not services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so throughout the week, 
um, a couple started opening up, including the Humane Society. And so I know that right now, Humane Society of Missouri, and this is in the St. Louis area, Humane Society of Missouri and um, St. Louis Care, they're currently open, and Humane Society of Missouri is doing curbside adoptions. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I literally, I had a friend text me Wednesday morning saying that they got an email that the Humane Society was open. Uh-huh. So it was at about 8 o'clock in the morning. I okay. popped on their website literally the second I woke up, saw Barney, um, put in my adoption application, and I picked him up 20 years later. Wow. Wow, that's so, great. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. Um, wow, that's uh, curbside. Wow, you can get curbside. Do- oh, there he is. Look at him. He's got like a little smile to him a little bit, too. Huh? He was woken up for a second. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a couple of little medical issues going on. So oh, yeah? something called cherry eyes. Okay. Um, so his eyes are a little red and uh-huh. sides of that. He uh-huh. a lot. has doggy dandruff. But, I mean, I like my dogs. Right. Hot mess. That's okay. So, That's all right. We can get, like, some soap and everything else for him, you know? There's uh, some Soapy's Choice soap that I have. Don't let me forget. Named after Soapy from Herbaria. Hello. Wait. Hi. Wait, weren't you, like, in a different place for a little bit? What are you doing here? Oh, wow. Well, so much for social distancing, huh? No, it's fine. You can come over here. This is Ladybird. We got Ladybird over here for folks. I don't know if you can see her, but that's okay. She's, she's, she's on the page quite a bit. They'll get to meet soon, at, at, as soon as all this stuff is over. So that'll be fun. Uh, Daniel, tell me, um, tell me about... Um, so obviously shelters and everything are, are, are very important right now. Um, one, I don't know if anybody, did anybody mention anything like what needs that they had there? Um, if there are ways for folks to help, cause I know a lot are taking in food and those kinds of donations. I don't know if anybody mentioned anything other than that very specific with you. Yes. Yeah, so I know what a lot of shelters are doing right now is, mm-hmm. um, instead of, you know, having people bring in donations of pet food. A lot of them are starting up uh, careless. So if you go on their website, you can see that the things that they need or uh, mm-hmm. such as like food or uh, toys or just basically what they're looking for. Okay. And you can order it to be shipped to the shelter specifically. Um, so a lot of places, because again, the animals are still coming in. A lot of them, I know there was, I think Spray Rest, you have 145. Five fosters within about five days. Oh wow! That doesn't mean so they were emptied out, but now they're getting animals back in again. Right. Um, so a lot of them are asking, "Don't still be safe." So help safe and healthy social distancing. So don't bring stuff in to necessarily drop off. Right. But instead, order it to be shipped to the shelter. Yet. Right. 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 Yeah. So so that is that's a really good point. Um, so adoption is one option that you have now. Fostering is another. Um, and in either event, I know, you know, folks are like, Hey, uh, and this is a great time. I'll tell you right now, having, uh, Mr. Toby and everything else, this is a great time Pandemic puppy. to, to, yes, to, to pa- whatever you, a pandemic. pandemic puppy and a quarantine kitty. And there you, there you go. It's, it's great. Well, it's really good, especially because you get to do so much bonding right now and you have time to do that and you can watch them and everything else. Um, but don't just get an animal now because everybody else is doing it or you feel like it would be cute and then return the because that's not helping anybody um it's actually hurting a lot of folks so uh do it i mean (laughs) if you're on if you're like thinking about doing it like daniel daniel's a great example you're thinking about doing it this is a great time to take the jump and do it and uh you know i've got enough stories about crazy dogs and stuff to to help you out through that process so um 
Yeah, so thanks for doing that. Thank you for your service to the furry friends of, of Missouri, Daniel. Oh, of course. And I'm glad I just have my own member now. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> you do. Yeah, you're officially in Furry Friend Friday, so that's great. Um, and for those folks who are out there and you have a furry friend of your own and you'd like to submit them for Furry Friend Friday, uh, you just go ahead and email me and that link comes out every Friday. So you will enter the competition for Furry Friend Friday. Um, well, Daniel, I think uh, since we're getting close on time, I think I might have you back next week and we can talk about volunteering and stuff. But if you could briefly tell us, um, I know now... You know, we're on the internet. We don't get to see each other in person very much at all, at all, period. Uh, what, what is, what does volunteer world look like for our campaign? So luckily volunteer world looks pretty similar, just um, a little bit more digital now. Um, we haven't stopped reaching out to voters, uh, reaching out to people who want to volunteer, people who want to get engaged. Um, if anything, we're, talking even more now with people because people are mm -hmm. trying to figure out they suddenly are in their home. They're suddenly trying to figure out what they can do um, to A, fill that time, but also to hopefully make an impact on you right. know, everything that we see going on around us. Like uh, Tasha said earlier that uh, when this oh, is that. all over, government is going to look pretty different. Right. And so now is a good time that it's a lot of people are realizing that a lot of the, the systems that, you know, we're relying on or a lot of these, uh, uh, workers are being uh, implemented by government procedures. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I mean, before I hopped on here between walking Barney in the morning and walking in the afternoon, um, I emailed out a few lists of people who are texting um, for the campaign right now. But when we say texting for the campaign, what that really looks like is um, giving people a little bit more control in their life. The, the questions that we're asking voters right now mm -hmm. isn't uh, to come out and vote, isn't to come donate because those are we're asking people what their ideas are for Missouri. Right. We're asking them um, what they want to see in the state, both you know right now in this moment that we're going through, but also in the future. Um, and part of the reason that we're focusing on that is to be able to give people some control back into their lives. We feel like we've lost control of a lot of things, a lot of normal things, and normally yeah. our day-to-day -day schedule or what we might volunteer for is completely yeah. disrupted. Um, but now if we go and talk to people you say what do you want to see it allows them to see a what the current situation that we're in now and what we can do to change it after so it gives people a little bit right. of control back in their lives and as you know all of those ideas get sent directly to you so it's not mm -hmm. just that we're talking oh, to people or talking to people and having them tell us something and be like hey thanks you know everything that people say yeah um so it's not just this blind hey we right. want to hear about it we hear we listen and we report back and uh shape a lot of the things that, that right. you're trying to do for the state, that we're trying to do for the state around what voters say. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's so important. I mean, all the policies that we propose on this campaign are all fueled by people commenting, right? And people opening and saying, here's what I'd like to see. So it's not just like, hey, we're just asking this and then it goes away. It's actually going towards something. So uh, it's very important. Um, and we're still yeah. making it statewide as well. The other thing that I've done the past yeah. couple days, um, along with just the campaign manager, um, we have made lists for every single county in Missouri on mm -hmm. uh, uh, basic software that we have. Um, and so for as people, if people want to get text lists to start reaching out to people, you can mm -hmm. feel free to email me at any point and I can get your list pretty quickly. Awesome. And we're making sure that we reach out to people in every county. And because, again, that was a big part of the campaign yeah. before, and it still is. Um, and so 
we're making the goal for even the counties that maybe uh, there were events that have been canceled now. We're yep. still planning on reaching out to them. And right now the plan is that any county that we haven't been able to go to before, I'll be the one personally texting the people in that area. Yeah. Uh, so we're making sure that we're still going across the entire state, right. making sure that everyone's voice is heard, whether they uh, have their voting record or what they what their uh, ideology is or where they're from. We're making sure that everybody's still active in Yeah. Great. That's awesome. And if anybody's wondering, is that interference on the microphone? It's not. That's literally Barney snoring right now. Yeah. Barney yeah. is snoring. Barney is also on my keyboard. So I think there have been a time something's popped. Yeah, he's typing a little bit. He's got some messages. Yeah, is on currently. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, he is a very, very loud snorer. Good. That's excellent. Well, good. That way you know where he is at any time. Well, that's great. So Daniel, what I'll do is I'm going to put your email out there too for folks to contact you um, in case they do want to get involved, they want to volunteer, um, and they want to help us check in with folks all over the state. That sound good? That's perfect. Great. Awesome. Well, we'll check in with you. Maybe we'll do a regular Barney segment to see how he's doing. Um, we can do some updates on him. Um, but I appreciate you being here, buddy. Thank you, both of you. Hi, Barney. Thanks, buddy. Oh, oh I think his little eyes opened a little. I know. Just a little bit. Yeah, there they are. They're going. Very he's like, oh, I'm, I'm almost here. He's almost there. Oh, get the stretch in. Yes. Uh, this is a great time for yoga, too. So puppy <laughs> yoga is wonderful. Well, thanks so much, you two. Thanks for taking time out of your nap to say hi, Barney. And thank you so much, Daniel, for everything that you're doing, sir. Of course. Happy to be doing it. Great. All right, man. Well, I'm going to put you back in the waiting room in case you like being there for some reason. But uh, it's, a good it's a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. So I'm going to finish it up, and then uh, we'll send everybody home back home, into okay. their home, because that's where they should be. All right, thank you, sir. We'll see you soon. See you guys. Bye. All right. Okay, everybody, you made it through just about the entire show if you are still here. Uh, first, uh, my sister says, uh, what I'm hearing is you're endorsing Randy getting a friend. Randy, for those of you who do not know, is my sister's terrible, awful dog who likes to run away all the time and destroy things all the time. And he has no friends. Anyways, Randy's cool. Randy can hang. Um, if you want to have a puppy play date, yeah. we can always have Ladybird come hang out with Randy. No, no, probably not. But, 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 uh, she is thinking about getting a puppy for Randy. A, a puppy friend, yeah. Is Randy going to raise him? I don't know. Uh, furry friend of the quarter, Hippo, is always looking for friends. Yes, we did have a furry friend. Hippo was okay. the furry friend of the quarter. Okay. And uh, we'll be back for our final competitions at the end, so... Uh, yeah, if you're looking for friends, uh, you find a shelter nearby and you, you go help them out. Uh, but hi, Christopher, all the way from Houston, Texas. So great, we're, we're now in multiple states. All right, so we've got a couple more things I wanna, uh, I wanna mention. One is on our uh, website, uh, we have launched a, uh, um, a space where we, we actually donated to eight different uh, organizations all throughout our state. Um, and so we have links to all of them, the work that they're doing, and ways that you can help them. So like Tasha said, um, a lot of these, well, all of these organizations are performing very important services right now, from child care for folks who are doing health care services, from folks who are getting our health care workers the equipment that they need, to food pantries, a whole bunch of different wonderful services out there. I got an email from um, some folks that we met with in Marceline that are making sure that seniors there um, have the food that they need. 
Uh, so uh, folks all around the state are really pulling together. So look in your community to see what you can do. Uh, but we wanted to put that site up there to help you too. That's just um, our website, uh, alodgross.org slash COVID, C-O-V-I-D. Um, and you can get there and I've been tweeting and putting it out there a whole lot too. Um, we got some good news in Missouri. Medicaid expansion uh, will, uh, well, they got the signatures that they need. So hopefully that will be on the ballot uh, when we vote very soon. Um, it certainly should be. Um, and we talked about all these rural hospitals that have closed all over Missouri. Um, and one of the reasons is because we are one of the few states in America that has not expanded Medicaid, which means that a lot of hospitals were saving and, and helping folks who didn't have much money, did not have insurance, did not qualify for Medicaid in a bunch of other states, but not in Missouri. Um, and as a result of that, these hospitals uh, were saving people who couldn't pay. And then there was no insurance to get them paid. And so a lot of hospitals started closing. Um, and it's a, quite a bit of a worry right now in Missouri because a lot of folks don't have full access to uh, affordable health care. And a lot of folks who even do have insurance don't have as close access to health care as we need because so many of our hospitals are closed. So um, we've been encouraging our government to expand Medicaid on an emergency basis, at least relax some of those requirements now to help get emergency funding to our healthcare workers. So if you can, uh, call the governor, look them up, tell them that we need help in that area. Uh, we, we need to expand it. So uh, at least we'll have a chance to vote on that um, in the election. So We have a governor? We do. Wow. Um, yeah, so I'll put all the contact information for everybody up on there. Next week, we will have Betsy Fogel who is a friend, and some of you know I've already done a town hall with her online before, but we'll have Betsy Fogel, who's running uh, for state representative in the 135th, the fighting 135th in e Springfield. Yes, uh, and she actually is uh, she is uh, working in the public health area right now, so um, we'll talk to her not just about campaign stuff, but about what's happening in Springfield right now. Um, and uh, we do have uh, to announce our top banana winner of the week so last week we announced our competition the competition was um who can come up with a kids activity that folks can do at home and which is the best one and so you know went through a whole lot of tests all the animals looked at them and i'm proud to announce that our first winner of the top banana challenge is riley wilson riley submitted a wonderful idea yes Absolutely. Riley's idea was at home, if you've got cardboard, you can have kids draw pictures on the cardboard, whatever they want, and then you can help them cut it out to create a puzzle. And then you can put it back together again. So uh, I did do this once with a group of kids, and uh, I made the puzzle too hard. So don't do that because they will give up, and then uh, you'll have just a mess of paper everywhere and kids still running around quite a bit. Uh, so congratulations, Riley. Riley, you have won a wonderful bumper sticker from the campaign. So uh, we'll be getting that to you shortly. Uh, we'll be in contact soon. So please reply to my lovely email coming after the show. Um, I do also want to announce that uh, we are in talks right now with some other guests. If you are interested in coming on the show, let me know anytime. We'd love to have you. Um, hoping that we can get Dr. Punch, and if any of you are following Dr. Punch or not, you should be following her, uh, but 
Dr. Punch is doing wonderful work in education and getting folks to know how to wash your hands and stay clean and everything else. So, um, yeah, we've got some ideas about that right now. Um, we're going to do uh, a Mr. E's Mysteries section. This one's going to be a little bit different. Last week, um, I talked about an activity that you could do at home. If you haven't seen it, it's a great one. It's about teaching kids how to wash their hands using washable paint. Because when you put the paint on, you can see where you've hit on your hands and where you haven't. So it's a really great activity to do with kids. And we've got the video over on our YouTube. You can check that out. It's been in other places too. It was on uh, our first episode. Uh, I have, over the last week, talked to a number of folks in Missouri, just like Daniel was talking about, just like Tasha was talking about, how if you're a nonprofit, you should connect with your people. And... Um, a lot of them have kids at home now because the schools in Missouri uh, have closed and uh, kids are home and they're still trying to learn and our teachers are trying so hard to get them everything that they need to do all of this online learning and everything else. Um, but still, it can be really hard for parents who are trying to work at home and are trying to balance childcare and everything else that's going on. Um, so I wanted to offer um, a, little bit, a little bit of help. So I've been teaching for uh, 13 years, and uh, one of the first things that I had to come to terms with was what's called in teaching world classroom management. And that just means how are you going to deal with kids? Because kids are running around, they're doing a whole bunch of other stuff, their attention spans are wherever, and you know they, they have particular reasons for acting the way that they do. And it's true about adults as well. If you look at us, we've got these two generalized sections of our brain, the left side and the right side. The left side is this logical part where we can talk about facts and, and all these other things. We can go through them and everything. Uh, the right side is our emotional sides of our brain. And for many of us right now, that's the side of the brain that is becoming most active because in a crisis situation, that is the side of the brain designed to get us out of the crisis. So it takes over and it says, hey, uh, here's what you need to feel and here's what you need to do. So you just go do it. You're not really thinking about it. Your reactions are a lot faster. Um, if you've got a kid at home who is throwing a temper tantrum and they're just going nuts and there's nothing that you can do to get through to them, that's because you're talking to the left side of their brain and the right side of their brain is the one that's active. You can't really get to that left side unless you go through the right. So you have to figure out what emotional side of that kid, what emotional need needs to be met for that kid. I had, there's a, a, an author who has described kids who are, you know, when they're in a temper tantrum, they're actually bouncing from one side, one extreme to the next. And they're trying to have some way to steady the boat going right down the river. And it's very hard. Uh, because we know we develop our brains over time, um, and we still do even right now. So um, if you've got that happening at home, the best way to deal with it is to make sure that your kid knows that you're there for them. And that doesn't mean that you're explaining a situation away. It doesn't mean that you're getting into the details of something. It just means that you're present and that the kid feels safe. Um, and so keep that in mind when that's going on. It's not that the kid wants to cause trouble. It's just that their brain has taken over. And, uh, um, 
in a, in a way that's not as productive. Um, so one thing that we've started to do, and I could put these out there too, is actually uh, I know a lot of activities, folks want activities at home. Um, we started doing these worksheets after talking to a number of schools in, in the area. We started doing worksheets for kids to identify their own emotional responses. So how do I feel in this situation? Um, you know, happy, sad, what does that mean? How, how do I react when that happens? And we've actually found that when kids are thinking about that stuff, they actually are way more likely to be responsive to you talking to them about it. So, um, yeah, we'll put those worksheets out there for folks to use. There's great, uh, if you've ever seen the film Inside Out, it's a great film for kids to use. We actually use that as part of teaching. Shout out to Ms. Warren over at Clay Elementary because we do the same thing with the lesson plans there. Um, but yeah, we can put some of those activities out there for you. And just kind of setting a good foundation can really help, especially as we're going to be in this situation for at least a few more weeks and maybe longer. Um, but it's, it's, it's good foundational work to do no matter what, so... Um, yeah, we'll put that stuff out there, but, you know, just make sure that we're caring for each other and that's really more important than anything else right now. So, uh, I guess we've got you here. Is there anything that you would like to close it out with? This is the second episode of the Alad pod. It's historic. Wow. I know. So many thoughts and feelings right now. I guess the most important thing to say would be stay at home. Wash your hands. Take care of yourself. We love you. Especially you. That's right. Oh, that microphone? I was looking at the oh, iPad. Oh, yeah. You love the iPad. Yeah, the iPad's really good. Did you know that this thing is still on? Yeah. So it's like... Oh, it's still on with us. Yeah, I guess. Hey, look. We're yeah. zooming. This is very... You said it was going to be meta from the very beginning, so... Uh, if you don't know what to watch, you can always email me. I have a lot of ideas about what you can binge watch Just follow right now. her on Twitter. That's all she's asking. Just do it. Also, should I tell them the Gus story? Or is that too dark? Don't tell them the Gus story. I don't <laughs> even know what the Gus story is right now, but we'll talk about it later. Okay, folks. Well, we'll see you next week. We might have some episodes in the middle, too, during the week. If we've got some specials and the dog's trying to knock over the microphone now anyway, it's time to take her out for a walk. Everybody stay safe. Stay cool. And we'll see you out there. All right. Thanks for joining the Alad Pod for our historic second episode. And our first live guest. Can you believe it? Like, she's right here right now. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check us out at aladgross.org, where you can connect with us on social media. Send me an email. Send me any questions or ideas you've got for the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We will see you next week on the Alad Pod.